Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff I Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And for today's Women Around the World, we've had a good one. However, I have a question first, Danny. Okay. I was just wondering, as it is Pride Month this month, and we've talked about your sexual orientation and just kind of overall your journey in this. Can you kind of talk about at the beginning of your journey when you started questioning just kind of your sexual identity and, and why that was something that you explored? Yes. And that is a very good question, Samantha, because I think for a lot of people, but especially in my case, things sort of happen organically and you don't understand them at the time. And if you don't have the terminology or even um, you don't see representation of a certain thing, then you might not only try to fit into what you think you should be or how you think you should be, just because that's all you know, but you you might not even realize that you're going through these things until you look back later. So that was very much my experience where right. I didn't realize, as we've spoken about before, there were so many ways to identify. But that being said, when in, in seventh grade, I was on a... One of those notorious field trips where you go away for like the weekend, you know, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. it's it's like rife with drama and, you know, <laughs> who kissed who and who's doing what with whom. And it's, it's the time when you're an adolescent and those kinds of questions are happening anyway, where you're starting to feel like this interest in people. I had previously, I know I've shared this story many times, realized that I liked both male and female fictional 
characters. Like I would feel flutters and warmth in my stomach that I couldn't explain. But I told my friend I thought it was orgasms and she was like, it's definitely not. And I was like, well, it's something. And I feel the same for both Scully and Mulder. (laughs) Um, So I think I pretty early on, because bisexual was the term I was familiar with, thought, okay, I'm interested in both. And then on that trip to Jekyll Island in seventh grade, I I had people where I was like, oh, I would make out with her. And oh, I'd make out with him. And at the time, it was kind of like, am I just uh, excited by all these new, like these feelings and emotions and maybe I'm not understanding them? Later in high school, it became much more, I felt like I had to fit in by openly wanting to date with a dude and want to have sex with that dude. So it wasn't, I won't say it was living a lie, but I would let people believe, like I would make very sexual jokes Mm -hmm. and I would let people believe what they would from that. But I think that was like, looking back, that does feel like that was when I was first, I was asexual or demisexual or whatever it was, but I was trying so hard. I didn't realize that. I didn't know those were things. Right. But I was trying to be like, fit into this straight existence. And I really wanted that. Like I, I... that's one thing I remember so clearly is I wanted it because my friends sounded so happy about it and it just seemed to like to fit in. You had to want that. But this is a very long-winded story to say. I think pretty early on, I just didn't have an understanding or the tools or words um, until looking back where I do kind of feel sad that I didn't because I was trying... I did things I wish I hadn't done because I thought I would fit in or right. uh, that I had to. Right. That makes me sad. And just so the uh, y'all y'all know, I did give Annie a heads up. She did. <laughs> I did put her she on the spot did. and ask permission. So uh-huh. I don't want to be like, oh, how dare you? <laughs> um, because I think it's really important too, and we've talked about this many a times, about what it looks like when you have that aha moment of, that's who I am. Oh my God, I've been missing this piece of who I was. And mm-hmm. um, I love that we, after we released the episode about the ABCs of being ace, and mm-hmm. so many people uh, chime in about, oh my God, I didn't know, but that's me. And just having that feeling of relief and release and kind of identifying that that part of you. And I think it's beautiful as I have, I come from a little older generation of trying to understand and and being allies and trying to see what it was and not just seeing it as, as uh, titles. And I think that's for so long, um, that's how I kind of saw them as. Mm-hmm. And just coming to the point of seeing how beautiful it is, not only to be able to, for people to identify that way, but also the fluidity of being able to just love and truly love. And I, I love that concept in general and just loving what that is. And and as it is Pride Week, we also want to keep talking about uh, all the different people who have come to this point and have been such inspirations for others as well. And Annie, I think you're an inspiration for so many. Um, I think many of the listeners would agree. And oh, because you. of that, we wanted to focus on someone who has won many awards in uh, her activism, as well as pushed to advocate for the rights and justice for the trans and the LGBTQ plus community, and especially those of color in the U.S. and around the world. And we're talking about Ruby Corrado. Yes. So Ruby Corrado is an activist, advocate, and survivor. She was originally born in El Salvador, where she fled at the age of 16 to the United States. 
And it has not been an easy road for her. She endured harassment, sexual assault, gun violence, and even incarceration. She went through hard times, including having uh, job loss, um, homelessness, and continued harassment and physical violence, but she was able to persevere. And she continued to grow and learn more about herself. She came to understand the lack of community and help for someone like her, that it didn't really exist. And she wasn't able to start her transition until a bit after she came to the United States and did so after being able to safely access it. Right. And it was actually after the death of trans woman uh, Tyra Hunter in 1995, who was refused treatment by the EMS at that time and so therefore uh, died. And that pushed Corrado to start volunteering and start her journey as an advocate for the LGBTQ plus community. And she has not slowed down at all, still active today. Uh, She later started to work with the Coalition to Clarify the D.C. Human Rights Act, or later named D.C. Trans Coalition, which pushed to include, quote, protections for gender identity or expression to the D.C. Human Rights Act, which took effect in March 2006. And this all took place after she became a kind of a name in the LGBTQ activism circle for her work and organizing skills, including organizing marches and vigils to fight for recognition and justice for those who had been murdered. And uh, it was kind of after the death and the murder of Bella Evangelista that she started to really pick up. And with the experience and fierce passion in advocating for a community, Corrado has used all her past life traumas and experiences to provide a safe space for others. While experiencing sexual violence and trafficking, homelessness, domestic violence, continued misgendering that led to more trauma within the incarceration system as well as healthcare systems and overall lack of support, through all of that, Karada created the Casa Ruby in 2012. And from their site, quote, her drive and dream was to bring resources to historically underserved and under-resourced communities in order to create more success stories for transgender and queer folks. Yeah, and she did this with a group of friends and they have a long list of services offered. Everything from shelter to health services to immigration services to domestic violence services, as well as care for youth. And their mission statement is pretty simple. To create success life stories among transgender, genderqueer, gender nonconforming, gay, lesbian, and bisexual individuals. And um, they've gone global, starting with a location in El Salvador. As she states, she is, quote, a Salvadorian who migrated, but a part of her stayed there. And she felt she wanted to fight for that community and continue to bring services. Of course, she also talked about her fear that they might be ousted and they would have to flee as well. Mm-hmm. But more than anything, she just wanted there to be a safe space for that community and for her community there. But of course, there are still many battles ahead. And in fact, Corrado has been dealing with a whole new level of vitriol and threats this past year. Uh, She stated in 2020 that she has been receiving many threats against her and her organization. She said she thinks it's in part due to the pandemic and how it has pushed everyone to become more on edge and that it's causing people to lash out. Right. She's talked about the fact that not only has she gotten personal threats, but uh, threats against her organization. So they've been on high alert. Um, And she's no stranger to the threats, including being sent many threats after events uh, such as the Pulse nightclub shooting. She said that she started getting phone calls after that. And there was an uptick after the 2016 election when she 
didn't hold back in the fact that she had fears of the things to come with that administration and trying to actually advocate for her community at that point in time as there was a lot of anti-trans and currently a lot of anti-trans laws trying to be pushed forward. So she's definitely being seen and she's definitely been targeted. And yeah, she has continued and will continue to work uh, for the better and and for the activism of her community. As in fact, she's actually stepping down because she was the CEO and head of an executive leader of Casa Ruby, but she's stepping down to allow for others, as she says, to come and take her place. And, and she actually talked about the fact that she feels that having a, a Black trans woman come and lead after her, saying that this is a whole conversation about who's in leadership and why it's important for um, everyone to be seen. And she has been a fierce advocate for the Brown and Black communities within the trans communities as well, and about how they need to be seen and be represented. And um, I love that. As in fact, she's also talking about possibly getting into politics uh, with a consideration to run for the D.C. City Council in 2023, which will open up uh, at that point in time, which would make her, I believe, the first openly transgender council person and the city's second ever transgender elected official behind Monica Namath, who was appointed as an advisory neighborhood commission in 2018. So, Cross your fingers. Would definitely advocate for her. But yeah, she is not slowing down. Uh, Like I said, she's going global, uh, launching different businesses as well on top of as these nonprofits. And she just recently launched Casa Ruby's new pharmacy in D.C., um, hoping to give more uh, healthcare access as well uh, for the transgender community. So big things. And not surprisingly, she's been awarded Many, many awards. Yes, including the Capital Pride and Gendered Spirit Awards in 2011, Gay and Lesbian Activist Alliance GLLA Distinguished Service Award in 2012, the Activist of the Year by the African American PRISM Awards in 2012, the DC Center Community Center Service Award 2013, and Gay and Lesbians Opposing Violence Community Service Award also in 2013. Right. And just recently this year, she was awarded the 2021 Community Builder Award by the National Center for Transgender Equality, which is dedicated to the grassroots activists and organizers who have put forwarded collaboration and fueled the transgender liberation movement. So congratulations to her. But obviously, she has been a fierce voice and someone that we should definitely look up to and look out for. Totally agree. And as always, listeners, we love hearing suggestions for you for this segment or any other segment. We welcome them all. Uh, you can email those suggestions to us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Thank you. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. 
Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.